I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who save with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. From the Boston Globe, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. So I was in college. I was a junior, and he was a senior. We met at a party, of course, because why not? I thought this guy was super cute. So we then started dating. We were about seven months in when I would say it was Valentine's Day. This is Sam. She's 23 years old. She works at a marketing firm in Boston. I talked to her recently about a breakup she went through a few years ago. She was dating this guy pretty seriously at the time. The night before Valentine's Day, she stays up super late to bake him this gorgeous cake, even with a horrible cold. I was writing him, like, this mushy-gushy love card. And I'm pretty sure at the end, like, I wrote, like, love you, and we had never said I love you. Like, I was ready. Sam's ready for him to say, I love you back. That night, she's giddy with anticipation. But he never shows up. So the next day now, it's Valentine's Day. I, like, wake up, like, birds are chirping. I'm feeling the love. I get a text from him probably around, like, 1230. And he says, sorry, I've been a bad boy last night. If you're guessing at what he meant by bad boy, you would be correct. So the night that I was baking him the cake and getting ready for Valentine's Day, he's with some broad cheating on me. And I'm home alone, like, Sick as a dog, you know? What were your first thoughts when you read that text? Fuck you. I was pissed. I ate the cake. I think I burned the card, no joke, with, like, all my roommates and friends. Um, but I remember, like, crying with all my friends, and, like, we were all—I was, like, laughing and crying. Cause we're just We've all been there. Eaten the cake. Um, burned the card. Cried and felt betrayed. Whether you've been cheated on or had a relationship that just ended out of the blue, breakups are the worst. I know this because for the past nine years, I've written an advice column for the Boston Globe called Love Letters. People write in with questions about sex, marriage, divorce, snooping on partners, navigating the world of Tinder. I pretty much cover everything, and I've heard it all. But I am also a human woman, and I've had plenty of my own breakups. For whatever reason, more often than not, I am the one who gets dumped. So I get you. In my expert opinion, you know what tastes good after a breakup? frozen waffles. Like eating them completely frozen. You don't even toast them, trust me. Anyway, I digress. In my column, I've been asked thousands of questions. But the one I get asked most, by far, is the simplest one. How do I get over a breakup? But I gotta be honest, as an advice columnist, that's one question I've never been able to answer. I'm gonna try. As far as I know, there is no magic thing that gives you eternal sunshine after a breakup. I've never come across, like, a trank dart. 
to get rid of heartache. But I have wondered whether there might be some ways to expedite the process, to figure out how to move on without getting stuck. And that is exactly what I want to do on this season of the podcast. On the show, you'll hear stories from some friends of mine, a few from strangers. I'll make some confessions from my own life. I'll talk to experts, and we'll try to get somewhere. Okay, back to Sam and her breakup. Things got messy. The relationship dragged on for weeks after he cheated. They were together, then they weren't. They fought, they made up. They weren't quite together, but they weren't really apart either. I mean, I was, like, crying every other weekend. It was super hard to get over it. Finally, Sam wanted out. She was sick of it. She needed to let go of this guy. Something just snapped in me and switched. And I went to a bar with one of my greatest girlfriends, and I see a group of boys that I kind of recognized, but I didn't really know, and they were actually younger than me. I'm, like, all over them trying to, like, flirt, but I see one of them, and I'm like, okay, I'm bringing him home. So literally, I'm pretty sure I went up to him, and I was like, you're coming home with me. So he does, and he comes to my apartment, and we're making out ready for, like, the next step. We do what we have to do, and I'm feeling good. I'm like, finally, I'm back on the market. Like, the best way to get over someone, no joke, is to get under someone. That's, like, the only way in my book, honestly, to get over someone for real. Once I feel like you can just embrace the fact that your life is not over, his loss, not mine, and you're just ready to make that move with someone else, like, you're golden. Sam says what I hear from people all the time. On my column, the minute anyone writes in and says they're having trouble getting over a breakup, all of the commenters say, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone, as if it's a universal rule. But I don't know. I'm not someone who can do that, jump into bed with someone new in order to get over an ex. I really want to be. Anytime I tell people I write an advice column, they're like, oh, so you're like sex in the city. And I'm like, no, she didn't write an advice column, and she was super successful at having sex. And I am not, especially after breakups. I did try it once. I met this guy at a bar and brought him back to my apartment. All I remember about him is that he had this big cross tattoo on his arm. But I totally chickened out, and we did not have sex. Our night was just me giving him relationship advice in my bed about his ex. What I want to do after a breakup is be in my bed alone, watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer in my pajamas. For the record, I'm not saying that having sex with someone new after a breakup is bad. I just don't know if it's a cure-all. I know one person who's tried this and was more successful than I was. I've been there through all of her breakups, and she's been there through all of mine. She's my older sister, Brett. How was your trip? Take your shoes off. Brett's a casting director in New York. She's happily married now. But when she was younger, she went through some big breakups and had a range of creative coping mechanisms. I visited her recently and asked her about one of her worst breakups. Like, you dated someone for 10 full years, and you were the breaker-upper. I was. But it was still, like, a massive life change. It was. I mean, you guys were like, it was like a decade of your life from your early 20s till your early 30s. Yup. And even though you were the breaker-upper, it was kind of a devastation. How did you approach dating at that point? Did you want to date? Like, what, what happened? Freedom. 
was more important than finding another boyfriend, right? Or going out on proper dates. So I did a gross, gross, awesome, gross thing. I put an ad on Craigslist. This is before, I mean, obviously, this is before all those apps and things like that. There were no smartphones. This was like flip phone bill, right? Maybe not even. I put an ad on Craigslist, basically, that was like rebound sex. That's like super dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened? Well, I basically wrote in the in the ad what I what I was what I had just gone through. Like I've been in a ten year relationship. I just broke up. Like I want to just you know let my freak flag fly. Like you know. So how many people responded to that ad? Oh my god! Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I think I might have, like, asked for what I wanted. I mean, I don't think I really, like, had a, wrote a lot of physical specifications down. But I was but probably said something like, I mean, you should be hot because, you know, 10 years, like. How did you narrow down the pack? Oh, I had two friends that, like, that would, it got to the point where I needed assistance. So Brett starts out on this quest to find a hookup. It's almost like America's Next Top Model, but for sex. Yes, she was the dumper. But the breakup left a massive void in her life. This was the only way she could think to fill it. And after days and days of sifting through applicants, she and her staff settle on one. I choose the one guy. Um, we met at a, oh, it was a um, coffee shop in Union Square. But we met at midnight? I don't know. Like, talk about a booty call. And uh, we, the minute I saw him, he was exactly what he said he was. He was literally like a drop-dead gorgeous Italian architect from, like, Italy. Like, a, like, real Italian. So they go back to his place. They sleep together. That part of the story I always knew. What I didn't know was, did it work? The sex wasn't good, and I think that was more me. Say more about that. Okay, like, he looked, he was, he looked like a million bucks, and I felt insecure. I didn't feel comfortable. I thought what I was going to get out of it was like heat and sexiness and a good story and power and control. But I ended up feeling a little lost and lonely and like afraid of diseases. In Brett's case, hooking up with that hot Italian architect only made her feel lonelier it actually made the process of recovery take more time. In Sam's case, though, getting under someone new made her feel like she was golden, renewed, empowered. I'm left with more questions after these stories. Is a palate-cleansing experience the trick to detaching from someone you loved? Or does it just leave you more messed up than you were before? I decided to call up Helen Fisher, She's a renowned biological anthropologist who specializes in sex and romantic attachment. She's also an advisor to Match.com. She studies people's brains as they're going through breakups, so she knows things. Hi, Helen. How are you? I'm just fine. Thank you. So thanks for, for taking the time for us today. Um, While we chat, so Helen tells you. me that there are two and stages that we go through after a breakup. The first is the protest stage. Well, That's when you try to win the person back. Like that time it took a guy eight full hours to break up with me because I refused to let go. The second is the resignation stage, that moment when you just give up, sit in a bed and cry. And if you're me, eat frozen waffles. 
but I still didn't know where this impulse to sleep with someone comes in. Is there a science to this? Like, does sleeping with someone new um, undo this, like, tether we have in our, our brains that connect us to our exes? I don't think it really does, no. I think it is a form of distraction. People are doing whatever they can in order to get over their unbelievably bad feelings. During the protest stage, you're driving up the dopamine system in the brain. That's giving you an awful lot of energy. This is why you can't eat, you can't sleep. And that dopamine can even trigger the sex drive. Uh, certainly does, actually. Dopamine has a positive correlation with, um, with testosterone. So as you drive up the dopamine system, you're in a state of high anxiety, totally frantic, totally energetic. Uh, it can trigger the testosterone system and, and just create the sex drive too. But in the long run, it's just a distraction. It's just a Band-Aid. Well, it's interesting. When you talk about the dopamine, I think about what's released during all of these good things in life. And, and to think about what happens after a breakup is an actual high, that, that whatever, whatever manic thing you decide to do, whether it's sleep with people or watch TV, or that, that it, what, you, what you think you might feel is a low, but you're actually in that first stage feeling yeah. a high. Well, it's not a high, happy high. It's, an energet, it's, it's energy. Yeah. It's an awful lot of wasted energy. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You can't sit down. I mean, I hate to be as crass as this, but like what you're saying is because of dopamine and energy levels, when you get dumped, it might make you horny. <laughs> Sorry to say it that way, but... Yeah, sure. Everybody's going to solve this in their own way. But um, knowing what I know about the brain, the obsession doesn't end the day they walk out. In fact, when you can't get a person, you just love them harder. We know some of the brain circuitry of that. And um, so whatever people do to try to reduce that horrible feeling of rejection, the incredible sorrow, the incredible craving, the incredible obsession is what they're going to do. And some people are going to sleep around. And as I say, some people are going to drink too much, drive too fast, hole up and watch TV, uh, leap into a new relationship with somebody else. Before our conversation ends, Helen says something else that sticks with me. Anything that... Um, absorbs the brain and gets you out around people. What you don't want to do is sit down because that ghost is living in your skull. And if you give it any chance, you're going to start in a rumination, thinking constantly about, you know, what you could have done differently, how you should have proceeded, what you should do now. The ghost in your skull? No thanks. Based on what Helen said, there is a chemical explanation for that drive for physical intimacy you feel after a breakup. Your body is going through a trauma, and you want action. But it doesn't have to be that kind of action. And as we saw with Brett, it's definitely not the rule. When I really think about the need to sleep with new people, I think back to one of the biggest breakups in my life. It didn't even happen to me. It happened to one of my best friends. This friend she'll remain anonymous here, had an epic breakup in her late 20s. I remember being shocked that one of her first instincts was to sleep with someone else. Here I was, so depressed about her breakup that I thought I'd never date again. So before we start this, how do you want to be referred to? Um, let's say I'm Marie. Thank you for doing this, because when I think about um, breakups that are difficult to get over, 
I don't mean to upset you, but I think about yours. And I really, <laughs> I really wanted to talk to you about your breakup. Well, you were there. I was. In the parking lot of the Stop and Shop in Mission Hill. I was. We were crying and hugging. You're not a hugger. <laughs> I am not a hugger, but I hugged that day. Yes. Marie and her so, boyfriend were that couple that seemed destined for marriage. Everyone in our friend group held them up as the perfect relationship. And then things fell apart, and he left, and we were all just shocked. But Marie, pretty quickly, feels an urgent need to be with someone new. Can you recount your first sort of intimate going out on a date after the relationship story? During this period of time, um, so I was going on these bad dates. I met on this, like, terrible, like, dating website. And, um, you know, I think probably, like, these guys were just looking for someone to hook up with. Um, You know, it was so bad that, like, the only thing we could really kind of find common ground on was, like, takeout. She finally lands on a winner. They have so much in common. Like, oh, what do you order for takeout? And I was like, oh, I ordered pizza. And he's like, do you eat a lot of pizza? Um, trying to gauge, like, you know, my couch potato potential. Um, and, you know, he came he came back to my apartment, and we kind of, like, made out a little bit. And, you know, then he was going to leave, and I got this, like, panicky, like, oh, like, this feels like it's not going to go anywhere, which is, like, I should have been like, this is not going anywhere. But instead, I felt this desperate need to try to hold on to this, like, jerk, really. And he happened to be diabetic and happened to leave his medical bracelet at my apartment. So I was like, oh, this is how I'm going to, like, reach out to him. This is my excuse. You left your you left your medical bracelet. What if you have, like, a diabetic episode and, and pass out? Like, I, I need to reach out to this guy. Marie did not need to reach out to this guy. This honestly had to be the strangest you-up style booty call I'd ever heard. So I emailed him and I said, oh, hey, you know, want to come over to my house and get your medical bracelet? <laughs> um, and more, wink, wink. And then, yeah, so he came over, you know, we hooked up. It was very uninspired and sad and short and, um, you know, and then he left. And I think it was probably like the whole thing was over in, you know, less than an hour. And I was like, oh, that was just the worst feeling afterward. So why did she even need Pizza Guy? I think I just wanted to feel like someone was attracted to me, uh, you know, to feel desired. I thought that somehow that would be the gateway to, like, other connections. Like, oh, if I have, you know, hook up with this person, that will keep them around. That will make me feel attractive. Sex in the City was big at the time. So I was also like, oh, maybe there's, maybe if I, like, you know, put the Samantha mask on for a while, I'll somehow, like, come out a happier person. When did that phase of post-breakup dating and sleeping with other people, when did that stop? I can't remember. It was only a few months. I think I knew pretty quickly that this was, like, leading to, like, the cycle of, like, you know, despair and shame. and But in some ways, I guess it, it did kind of free me. Like, it, it did work, like, a tiny bit. It moved me on to something else to be cranky about. And this is where the light bulb goes off for me. Pizza Guy did serve a purpose. The experience broke Marie out of mourning her previous relationship. It changed her script. And that's all she needed to move on. There was something new to be cranky about. Side note, Marie did fully move on from that previous breakup. She kept writing her script. You say it didn't work, and you you say it wasn't helpful to get under new people, as they say. But on the other hand, do you think you could have really gotten over it without that phase? 
I think really in the end, like, it just took time. The irony is I actually met my now husband online. (laughs) Um, And when I met him, it was easy to be vulnerable with him. And it was a lot of, like, and I get a little choked up. But, um, but yeah, so. But, yeah, I, I feel like when I met my husband, I was like, like, I could marry this person. And I did. That's really corny. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's nice. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Marie, for sharing your story and going back in history a little bit. I'm glad that my bad experiences might help others. Every time someone writes into my column to figure out how to get over a breakup, the comment section is flooded with that same rule. The best way to get over someone is to get under someone. But I cannot say that is universally true. It is one way, but I don't think it's always the best one. And trust me, I'm not saying don't sleep with people. But if it doesn't feel right to do, it probably isn't. Sex with someone new after a breakup can feel good. Helen Fisher would even say our body is making the chemicals to crave it. But it can also feel pretty terrible. It's not the sex itself that we really need. What we need is to feel in control again, to start a new story. And there are many other ways to do that. We'll explore them next week on Love Letters. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe. The podcast is produced, edited, and engineered by Amy Padula. Music by APM. Our executive producers are Scott Hellman and Janice Page. Audio mixing by John Jenkins. Special thanks to Joseph Tavares, Linda Henry, and Brian McGrory. So, just like I do in the column, I want to hear from you guys. What do you think? Sleeping with other people the way to go? No? Send us your thoughts at loveletters at boston.com. On our next episode, I'll explore what it means to detangle your life after a breakup, if that's even possible anymore. Be sure to subscribe to Love Letters on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're online at loveletters.show. And please, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you like us. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.